I do not care.
piano player come up. One more time, we'll all stand before preaching. Page number here. It's good to be part of the church, amen. 191. 191. The church that Jesus died for, amen. 191. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Do you hear them coming, brother? Thronging up the steeps of light. Clad in glorious shining garments. Blood washed garments pure and white. Tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the difference when you come into the Lord's house ready to receive his word. Amen. So I know that over the next few nights we're going to be probably receiving lots of visitors from sister churches and those things. And I'm not trying to make this a weird thing at all, but it sure would be a blessing instead of coming in here with lots of noise and lots of busyness to actually find yourself a spot after the work day. Amen. Find yourself a spot around this altar and take a few moments to prepare your heart. And then when you're finished, allow others the liberty to do the same thing in relative quietness. Amen. You know, it's really hard to hear the Lord sometimes when there's a lot of clamor going on. Amen. So we have a great fellowship hall down there and we have a you know pretty nice sized foyer out there that you can gather in. 
Let's try and be mindful to remember that we want to use this place as a holy place set apart from other things. Amen. To prepare our hearts to receive what God has for us. So with that, Brother Wood, you come ahead. Amen. Amen. We're looking forward to more preaching. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Well, I enjoyed that wonderful music, didn't you? Amen. Amen. You ever get tired of preaching, you can go on the road and sing. Amen. That was a really a blessing. Amen. And uh, thank you. And, uh, enjoyed being here thus far and praying the Lord will speak to our hearts tonight. Is this on? There we go. Make sure that's on. You're not supposed to do that, but I forget. Anyway, well, where's the banjo picker? Where's he at? Yeah, it's been happy life tuning. <laughs> the reason that is, the banjo has a long neck, a scale on it. You know, it's much longer than a guitar. It's about that wide. It's very susceptible to temperature changes and those kind of things. And so that's just the way it is with a banjo. And so anyway. Thank you. Beautiful music. Turn to John chapter 17. Gospel of John chapter 17. They call me the tuner. I tune. I can't sing. Tune it or die. That's the way I'm about the instrument. Isn't that right, Matt? At youth camp, they have 15 guitars. They're all tuned different. So everybody's thought, take this tuner and go around from each instrument and get it close anyway. And uh, anyway... One kid one year could play in one chord. And that's what he played in everything. <laughs> but we're not professionals. We make joyful noises. Amen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I sure enjoyed playing a little bit before church with these young men. That's a blessing. But anyway, John chapter 17. Well, the meal this afternoon was just wonderful. Thank you so much. And the place over there we're staying is just. Just so adequate, everything, Amen. and it's clean, so clean. Amen. I thought about eating off the floor. It's just <laughs> but it is. It's really clean and nice, and it's quiet. Amen. And uh, you, you folks here in Nova Scotia are laid back. Yes, sir. You are. Yes, sir. And uh, you have a little paradise here. Been to one other place like that. I've been to Man of War Key in the Bahamas. It's a paradise. I'll tell you why, but I'm not. I'd be, I'd be afraid I'd pinch something. There's no liquor on the island. It's the only dry island in the Bahamas. Man of War Key. Uh, there's three churches. Of course, none of them are Baptist, but there's a Brethren Church. It's similar. And churches. Everybody there goes to a church, and uh, no outsiders, no crime. It's, it's just a paradise. But anyway, and this is, is there much crime around here other than <laughs> some of you criminals? Anybody? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Robbing from God? You thought I was just going to slip on by that, didn't you? But no, I throw it in there. But anyway, 
I left my billfold one time on the pew. I said, I better get that. So they robbed God. I know they robbed me. So I went back. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be here. Thank you so much for Brother Brandon for inviting me. And I'm honestly, the, it's so intimidating to preach. And some of you men of God, you know what I'm talking about. And finding God's message. I found years ago, I don't look for sermons. You can download sermons from the internet. Don't look for messages. I spend time in God's word and they'll find you. You spend time in that book, the message will find you. And uh, so I've tried to follow the Lord's leading here tonight. And I hope that this will be an encouragement and a help to you in some way. I'm here to help and be a blessing, I hope. And uh, so God help us tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here tonight in this service. Lord, I come before your throne of grace, and I know that I'm absolutely nothing within myself. But I come to you and submit myself to thee, Lord. And I pray that you'd fill me. I pray that you'd pour out a blessing to your people, Lord, from this unworthy vessel. Let me magnify and glorify you, Lord. Lift you up. Speak to our hearts, I pray now in this service. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I go a lot of places and uh, hear, hear a lot of preaching and different things. And uh, We sat through a meeting one time, my wife and I, and uh, we heard everything in the book, man. I'm telling you, we heard everything you could preach on. I'm sure Rose is thinking, about to that, thinking <laughs> back to that particular service because I wrote her a note. And the note said, who cares what is in the gray mush in his head. You remember that, Rose? And the guy says, I had this thought the other day, and I thought this, and I thought that, and I thought that, and I thought, whoever told you you're supposed to preach your thoughts? If I preach my thoughts, you'd be embarrassed. Amen? And I said, who cares? So it was my turn to preach that night. And I said, man, I've heard everything today. I've heard everything. We've heard all about this and that and this and that and what's in everybody's head. I said, I think I'll just preach the Bible. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> and they actually laughed about it. I, I, they didn't take themselves too seriously. In all seriousness, I hear less and less preaching about the Lord. Amen. Everything's issue-oriented. And we have to preach against the issues of our day. We have to stand for God. Amen. Amen. But we're all saved here tonight, aren't we? Amen. You got any kinks in your head? Come on. I mean, you stay around a Bible-believing church long enough, you won't need a counselor. Amen, brother. It'll straighten your life out. Brother Charlie, you still people. You come here and sit in this church for six months, eight months, a year, he says, it'll straighten out the kinks in your head. And you do your counseling from the pulpit. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean that people don't need counsel and advice sometimes from God's Word. Sure. Doesn't mean that. But uh, anyway, you're all saved. We're all saved here tonight, pretty much, right? Amen. Anybody here lost that would admit it? But we're all pretty much, we know the Lord, we're saved, right? Amen. And so, uh, amen. Hopefully, this will be a blessing to save folks. Amen. John 17, are you there? Read verse 17 with me. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Yeah. Yeah. I 
that as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, look at this, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. We are permitted in John 17 to enter into what I believe is the Holy of Holies in the New Testament. John 17 permits us to eavesdrop upon divine conversation between the Son of God and His Father. John 17 is the true Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6 is a model prayer with certain elements in that prayer. Whereas John 17 is the Lord's intercessory prayer for His disciples. And we're included in this prayer according to the words our Lord spake in this prayer. There's certain places in Scripture, they have a theological word for it, I will not use the word. But there's some places in the Scripture where God deposits great truths in a short space. For, I'll give you an example. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Resurrection, one chapter. Man, think of the great truths in 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel and the resurrection and all of that in that one chapter. And it's just a deposit, a treasure. It's like you're digging, you know, for gold and you find the vein. Amen. Amen. Romans 8, the Holy Spirit. There's so many key places, classic truths in Scripture deposited in one place. And John 17 is like that. You could preach for, from John 17 for years and never exhaust it. But I want to look tonight at this subject the Lord mentions in verse 17 and verse 19. He uses the word sanctify. Now the word uh, sanctify is defined in the Bible. We'll find the, I'll show you the biblical definition of it here in just a minute. But the doctrine of sanctification is varied in that it works in several ways in the Bible. And uh, I, we'll look at some of them here right quick. First of all, let's find the biblical definition of the word itself. Look with me in Psalm 4 and verse 3. Psalm 4, verse 3. Now, folks, you'll have to bear with me. I, I was trained many years ago. Just here's what, This is the way I was trained to preach. Expound the doctrine. Prove it. With scripture. Amen. Expose the errors surrounding it. And then make an application of it to people's Amen. lives. And so that's the only way I know. So just bear with me. Psalm 4, verse 3, do you have it? The Bible says, But know that the Lord hath, what's the next two words? Set up. That is the definition of sanctification right there. Sanctify. It simply means to be set apart. That's what it means. And the Bible says, him that is godly for himself. Now there is the, there, there is the uh, qualifications for sanctification. Him that is godly. Yes. That's the purpose of it. Amen. And then he says, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Now the, 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 the um, other passage I'll show you is Exodus 13, 12. Everyone is familiar probably with this passage, but we'll read it. Exodus chapter 13. And verse 12, we find the same words in verse 12 of Exodus 13. 
that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And so a, a certain animal from the, er, the herd was set apart for God. Set apart. See that? Verse 12, thou shalt set apart. That's, worth the, that's what the word sanctify means. It means to set apart. And there are three kinds of sanctification in, um, in the Lord's words here. And uh, we'll look at them. First of all, there is the sanctification from sin unto moral purity. Uh, every one of us, if we're saved, have experienced this. Is there anyone in this room tonight that there's something that you don't do that you used to do that God removed from your life? You, anybody got anything like that? I mean, you're still smoking? If, I mean, you need to quit if you are. Amen? How many maybe drink, drink alcohol before you got saved? You got saying, what did the Lord do? Took that out of your life. Amen. That's, that's part of your sanctification. Yep. Amen. And uh, so, you know, God uh, takes things out of our life. And uh, that is the result of applying the truth of God's word to my heart and my practice in my daily life. That's what's implied in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. God takes this book, reveals to you, what you need to do or not do. Amen. Amen. And uh, everyone, I mean, you know, the Lord may deal with one man, one man at one time and one person. I mean, you know, our, our degree of sanctification and our, our pathway through it is varied and different. It's not the same for every person. But God's bringing us all to the same place. Amen. Some may, have, some may be, be a little slower. We've got some young families in our church. They came in through visitation. They were hunting a church with the King James Bible. They found our church through a door hanger left on the door back during COVID. We didn't have tracks. People would, I mean, we, we, we couldn't give a track to a person personally. And so we just made, had some door hangers, started going around putting out door hangers. We're going to do something. Amen. And uh, we got three families from that. Well, there were three young men at the time, and they all got married. Now they have children. It's taken about three years. And, and, uh, but I'm telling you folks, you're talking about the word green, yeah. green as a gourd. <laughs> you t no sanctification at all. I mean, the first time they came to church, it was, you had to, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, the dresses, dresses up here. Come on. We've got a saying down south, high. Low, loose. <laughs> amen. 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 Come on, ladies, give me a good amen there. Yeah, We've even got a song to go with that. High, low, and loose. High, low, and loose. <laughs> when you put on a dress, high, low, and loose. <laughs> amen. And so. But they're, they're growing, they're learning. Amen. Amen. Then they said, I want to be members of the church. And I said, wonderful. Well, we have to talk about it. Yeah. Amen. You know, we don't just open the doors of the church. Amen. And I said, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. So we met with them and we went over some things. And one of the guys says, Brother Wood, Brother Wood, you've got to be patient with us. 
He said, nobody ever showed us Deuteronomy 22.5. He said, Never been, nobody's ever shown that to us. And I said, well, I, you know, the issue is not necessarily modesty. The issue there is gender. Lord. Amen. The identification of gender. But anyway, they began to listen, and Rose can vouch for this. Slowly but surely, the dresses have been growing longer amen. and higher and amen and amen. more modesty in their lives. Amen. amen. Now that's a church. What goes on outside, I haven't seen them yet. I don't know. Amen. I know one day, the first day we saw them, they had on these tight britches. What do these women call those? Yoga yeah, yoga pants. They were in Walmart and they had those yoga pants on and they got a glimpse of Rose and I. And son, they was running everywhere trying to hide from us. And I said, we're going to chase them down. We're going to bump heads with them soon. We're going to find them somewhere. So we just kept, and we finally, here we whoop, face to face. And they were just, hey. <laughs> and later on they told me, they said, Brother David, that day we saw you in Walmart, we was trying to hide from you. <laughs> and Miss Rose, I said, well, you knew that wasn't right then you had to hide from me. Amen? You've got to hide from the preacher. You respect him more than you do God. It's like this gentleman. I pull up in the yard, church member. He's smoking a cigarette. Sucker was that long. He saw me and flipped it off like that. I got out of the car, went over there and got that cigarette, carried it back to him. I said, ain't no need to waste a good cigarette because I pulled up. I said, God sees you all the time and I'm not going to let you respect me more than God. Light both ends of it. Amen. Amen. He wasn't going to respect me more than God. Amen. Sanctification. Uh, it's an important meaning of the word. It's used to signify a process of purification, of putting off moral fitness or, or moral filthiness and the works of the flesh. Amen. Now, I go through this every morning. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning and uh, get situated in my chair, my wife, and what's the first thing we do is we, we bring our body to God Amen. and present it. Amen. Just like the Bible says. Present it what? A living sacrifice. Did you know that's a contradiction of terms? A living sacrifice. Yeah. A sacrifice speaks of death. Yep. Living sacrifice. It's a misnomer. How do you offer your body a living sacrifice? Listen, yes, your body must live. You've got to have your body to continue in this physical world. I mean, nobody running around without a body. Amen? But something in the body needs to die. Living sacrifice. And Romans 8.13 says, For if ye through the Spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the body. Amen. You shall live. Mortify means to make dead. There's some, your flesh has to live, but there's something in it needs to die. And it's your lust. And the, only the Holy Spirit can mortify your lust. You know, we have a root word for that in our English language. It's mortify. The root, that root word is used to make other words. For example, mortician. He's someone that handles dead people. My wife's father was a mortician. And he handled dead people. The divine mortician is the Holy Ghost. 
And you bring yourself, your body to him, present it to him, and let, you, let him kill its lust. Because you can't do it. Amen? Amen. That's part of your sanctification. Amen. The preacher preaches a message. The Holy Ghost deals with your heart. You come forward and you lay something in your life on the altar. Yep, that's, right. Amen. that's sanctification, right? Amen. Now let me say a word about that right quick and I'll move on about this process of sanctification. God morally purifying you as a Christian, bringing you into, into obedience to the word of God, separating you from the world and making you like well, let me say this word about it. We often use the word in regards to sanctification and repentance, we often use the word surrender. You heard that a lot? You need to surrender this or you need to surrender that. There's a young man one time at youth camp. I went to my church on Wednesday night. It was not our week. It's another week. So I went to my church and I came back in the midst of the service and they were whooping it up, had a good time. And I went in there, and this young man came up to me, and he said, Brother Wood, he said, I gave up Facebook. And I said, Son, you have made a tremendous sacrifice. <laughs> Amen. What a thing to give up. I surrendered my Facebook. You know what I asked him, Brother Lake? I said, when are you going to give yourself? You know what surrender has to do with? Surrender has to do with things. You surrender your music. Surrender this. Surrender that. Surrender this. Surrender that. I challenge you tonight. I'll give you $50 if you can find it. Find me the word surrender anywhere in the King James Bible. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. There's you. 50 bucks. Good old American dollar. I'm waiting. Not in it. Now, if you find it, I'll stand corrected and apologize. And we'll get down here and pray and I'll repent. You'll have to forgive me. But I'm telling you, you know what the Bible word is? The Bible word is submission. Amen. And listen, when you submit yourself, you don't give up things, you give up everything. God gets it all. In surrender, you can pick and choose what you give up and what you want to keep. See? That's how that works. But in submission, you give it all. And God sets you apart. For his honor and his glory. And your life is not half sacred and half secular. It's all holy. It's all sacred. Live for the glory of God. Amen. Surrender puts notches in a preacher's belt. He got you to do something. But man, giving up your right to yourself. That's submission. The Bible word is submission. Amen. Surrender means that you've capitulated because you have no other means to resist. That's what the Southern cause did in 1865 at Appomattox Courthouse. Robert E. Lee had no longer had the resources, the men, material or means to defend the South. And so he surrendered. 
Do you think that's what he wanted to do? And they stacked their arms, sent the soldiers home with their, their they had their own draft animals, they carried them home, and, and uh, President, later on, President Grant, General Grant, he permitted the men to keep their weapons and their sidearms for their protection. And they went home. Why'd they surrender? Could no longer resist. Amen. The Bible word is submit. Now that's one kind of sanctification and it's important meaning and that process is going on in our lives tonight. Amen. Every one of us. It should be. The second sanctification, sins. Look at verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. We are set apart by the Lord to evangelize the world. Turn with me to the the book of Acts, chapter 13, if you would. Now bear with me. We're going somewhere. Please be patient with me. Look at Acts chapter 13 and look with me in verse 2. The Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord. Now, they're in the church at Antioch. For the sake of time, and I'm going to read every verse. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Now, did you notice something in the passage as we read it? You, the word sanctification, the definition of sanctification is found in, the passage, in one of the passages I read. Which one is it? Which one? Verse 2. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Separate. Sanctification means to be separated. Amen. Set apart. Synonymous. Means the same thing. It's sins. Paul and Barnabas were separated by the church for a specific call to evangelize the world. And every Christian has a specific call to evangelize the world that he moves and he lives in. Listen, men, your job is your mission field. Your life is your mission field. God may not call you to a foreign country, but you're certainly called to your own country. Your neighbor. Your neighbors know you're a Christian. You're ashamed to witness to them because they heard you hollering at your wife. Amen. Guy, one time they surveyed my lot on my house. They said this line's off a foot, and they moved it this way on my neighbor. One foot. One foot of a... This wide, 12 inches, 310 feet, this wide. He threw a fit. I mean, he's ready to shoot the surveyor. He, he called me and told me about it. I said, give that fool that foot. Put it back where he thinks it should be. Let him have it. Amen. Be a Christian. Yeah. Just give it to him. Our neighbors, they know we're Christian. You witness to them? Amen. Amen. 
You may not be sent to the uttermost part of the earth, but you're, sent, you're certainly sent to wherever you live. And the power of God on the church, it should animate you to witness for the Lord Jesus at home and abroad. There is a sanctification or being set apart that sends you into service. Service. The third sanctification is what I want to look at here tonight in John chapter 18 is the sanctification of Christ. Now our Lord's sanctification had nothing to do with moral purity. Our Lord did not have to be set apart from sin. Now, I don't know, there's different persuasions in different churches about these doctrines, and I don't argue about it, whatever you believe, whatever. But since I'm here, I have to say what I believe. And I'm not going to hide it. But I believe in the impeccability of Jesus Christ. Now, some of our Baptist, independent Baptist brethren believe in impeccability, that Jesus could have sinned, but he didn't. Now, if you want to believe that, that's all right. The only people I've known that is a handful of people in the independent Baptist movement, and Garner, Ted, Herbert W. Armstrong, the Worldwide Church of God. So if you want to identify with them, go ahead. But I don't believe the Lord Jesus could sin. That's my position. If that's, hey, if I get chastised for believing Jesus couldn't sin, so be it. Amen. Our Lord did not have to be sanctified from moral impurities. His sanctification was not a process of purification. There, were no, there was no moral filthiness in his life. Amen. You say, well, he was tempted. Yeah, it's like striking matches and throwing it in the water. There's no lust in our Lord for Satan to appeal to. Not that kind of temptation for him. Oh, no. Listen. The Bible says it was tipped in all, part, all points like as we are, yet without sin. There were no lust in our Lord to Satan to appeal to and drawing away of his own lust and entice him. Amen. I was talking to a young man one time from a certain Bible school. He told me that Jesus had a sinful nature, but he subdued it and never sinned. I said, well, how come he was born of a virgin? How come the virgin birth was so important, if that be true? He actually told me that. And so, I, I believe in the impeccability of Christ. That's simply where I'm at. I don't think the Lord had to be uh, sanctified from moral filthiness or sin until a perfect sinlessness was reached. When the Lord Jesus said, I sanctify myself, he's not affirming that he has impurity or that he's becoming perfectly holy. That's not, that's not what he's implying. He had never been anything else than sinless and never will be. He said, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Nothing. There was nothing in Christ for Satan to appeal to. What's his, what's, his, what's his intent then if he'd never been anything but sinless? What does he mean when he says, I sanctify myself? It's simply this. I consecrate myself the fulfillment of the Father's will and the redemption of man. He gave himself to it. Amen? It's the work which was immediately before him. You understand, John 17, we're in view of the cross. 
The hour has come that he often spoke about. Now the hour is here. And I sanctify myself for this work that God sent me to do. He would not be deterred from me. The Bible says he set his face like a flint and he steadfastly would go to Jerusalem. Amen. It's to be understood. He's not making himself holy for he never was a sinner. So he stood in no need of sanctification in that sense. But he was made like unto us, yet without sin. Perfectly holy, free from sin, but yet essentially and infinitely, my friend, holy as God, holy as God as a man, holy in his conception and birth, filled with the Holy Ghost, holy in his life as death, never had a foolish thought, and wholly sanctified to the cause and the purpose for which he came into the world, set apart for that and that alone. Let me ask you a question. I'll ask you a question here tonight. Show me one thing in the Bible our Lord Jesus ever did for himself. One thing. He was a completely selfless person. Everything he did was for someone else. He said this, Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. Our Lord recognized that his sanctification came for his Father and that he was sent into the world, my friend, the Son of God, to redeem mankind and accomplish the will of the Father. He was set apart for his office as mediator, it was ascribed unto him in John 10, 36. And he voluntarily devoted himself to that work and he accepted it. Amen. Amen. And he would not be sidetracked from it. That's what the Lord's temptation was in, in Matthew chapter 4. That's what he was. And this he did not for his own sake. He did not do it for the sake of angels but he did it for us Amen. not for the apostles only and not just for the believer but for all man Amen. all man he said neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word John 17 20 Amen. and in verse 19 look at it you're there John 17 19 look at it and for their sakes I sanctify myself it was for us that they also might be sanctified through the truth listen to me tonight you and I would have never had the privilege of being saved forgiven delivered or sanctified from our sin if our Lord had not have sanctified himself there's no other way he said, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Let me tell you what's, what comes first. Let me tell you what comes first before you could ever be set apart from sin in any manner, whether it be salvation or sanctification, the Lord has to be set apart first. And he does it. He knows there's no other way for men to be saved. No other way. When he said, I am the door, 
by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Amen? And he told those disciples in John 14, he said this, he said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He understood his unique position. He embraced it and he accomplished it. And you and I wouldn't be saved tonight if he not if he had not fully devoted himself to it. Amen. 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 Now find me something wrong with that. <laughs> find me something wrong with him. I tell you, you might find a blemish in God's people. And you may find a blemish in the church. But I'll tell you, you'll never find one in him. I'll tell you, he's holy and pure. And everything he did, my friend, was for you and I. And to fulfill the will of God. Or we'd never be saved tonight. So you leave him alone. Amen. I'm tired of people Bad mouth in my Lord. You leave him alone. You keep your mouth off him. I don't have to defend him, but I'm ready to defend him. Our wonderful Lord. Thank God for our Savior. He consecrated himself to the Father that his holiness might come to us. Amen. You know why you're cleansed tonight? You know why you can be cleansed? Because our Lord lived a holy life. Now I know some of you may not understand this, but our Lord's obedience as a son and a servant to his father is as important as his sacrifice. You know in the Old Testament there's two parts to every sacrifice. The best parts of the animal was burned on the brazen altar and part of the animal was taken and burned without the camp in a clean place. There's two parts. And so our Lord offered himself without spot to God. That's his life without spot. That's his obedience. And then he offered himself as a sacrifice and shed his blood and the sufferings on the cross. Both. Did you know Paul distinguishes that in Ephesians? The Bible says he's a sacrifice, one, and a sweet-smelling savor. That's his obedient life. He lived the life that we couldn't live, Brother Taylor. His obedience. He had to live in perfect obedience. And he did. Amen? When the Bible says God imputes to you the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ imputed to you is his obedience. Amen? And not only that, listen to me. His righteousness imputed to you and the death that he died, the sacrifice that he made was vicarious. And that's a 
word that simply means instead of the substitute. And we can't be saved without it. His holiness makes his blood effective. Amen. He's made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He has presented you and I tonight. When you come to Christ and trust Him, He takes you and He presents you to His Father in His own person. And that's the only reason you were accepted. You say, well, I cried when I got saved. It didn't have nothing to do with it. The only reason God forgave you is for Christ's sake. Amen. He presented you to God in his own person. Amen. 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 He will have nothing less than the redemption of all mankind. Amen. And if you're a Calvinist, stay away from me. Amen. Stay away from me. Amen. Limited atonement. That's good as the devil would have. You ever notice the ones that believe in limited atonement, they're all elected? You can ask them, well, how do you know you're elected? I've asked them, well, how do you know you're elected? Well, because of what I do. I said, well, you ain't no different than a Methodist. Because they know they're saved by what they do. So in reality, a Calvinist is truly an Armenian. The Calvinist proves his election by his works, and the Armenian proves his salvation by his works. What's the difference? The truth of the matter is they're both wrong. Amen. The whole motive of our Lord's life, he sanctifies himself for the highest good of others. And it's an act of self-determination. I sanctify myself. A conscious act of self-determination. I sanctify myself. And he does that for the highest good of others. And that's the only reason my sins are gone, never to be remembered. I'm set apart from them. That's the only reason since I've been saved that the Lord's been setting me apart, conforming me to his image. It's the source of all spiritual blessing, the sanctification of the Lord Jesus himself. Amen? Now let me try to make an application of this. Angels could not redeem you. Angels could not redeem you. Man has to be redeemed with the same nature in which he fell. You listening to me? A man has to redeem man. An angel cannot do it. A seraphim, a cherubim cannot do it. Man has to be redeemed with the same nature in which he fell. And so our Lord, he drew near to us in our same nature. and was crowned with glory and honor because of who he was. But yet the purpose was by the grace of God to take
taste death for every man. He drew near to us. That's the only way we can be saved. Is our Lord become one of us. Sin accepted. Boy, I hope the Lord will let me preach on that. About, about I, I'd love to. I started to preach that message tonight. The Lord said, no, I want you to preach on this one. I, man, I tell you, I'm telling you, the Lord's captured my heart. I've never, I've never seen a, a person or individual like this. Yeah. My friend that's presented us this book. No, yeah. goodness gracious. Yeah. Amen. He captured your heart, your life. He drew near to us Amen. to redeem us in the same nature which we fail, and set him aside, himself apart for this work. His, in, his whole life is entirely sacred, and he is our example. We are to follow his what? We are to follow his what? You see that little lady over there? We got married uh, 51 years ago. I had been saved uh, seven months. She thought she was saved. She was raised a primitive Baptist. And they were primitive Baptist believe in election, predestination. They were Calvin, died in the wool Calvinist. She was elected and baptized. She'd never been saved. And she got saved about a few months after we'd been married. She realized, hey, I'm not religious, but I'm lost. She got saved. Amen. Amen. God called me to preach. Tony was a year and a half old. Six months. Three weeks? Oh. God called me to preach when Tony was three weeks old. And when Tony was one year, six months, I was pastoring a church. I got saved in 1972, and I was ordained to pastor a church in late 1974. Two years. I don't recommend that. I didn't have I didn't have enough sense to get out of the rain. But you know God uses idiots. I'm proof of that, amen. I took that little church, had six members. And um we Rose and I and Tony made nine. So the church had some growth right off when I became the pastor. And then that little church, God blessed that church, it grew. And hey, man, when I was a young man, I thought everybody would come hear me preach. Guess what I found out? They ain't coming. And so I uh, pastored that little church for about a year and a half, and we had a doctrinal controversy and disagreement with the original six. So we just took the 60, a little over 60 number of just about 60 people besides them and we pulled out and we went way down the road and we built another church Bible Baptist Church where Brother Darren Fossey is the pastor today there and uh, just went on down the line but listen to me 48 years 48 years we've spent our life me and her serving others Amen. Amen. And listen to me. 
my life as a pastor, the church did not exist for me. My existence was for the church. I was their servant. Amen. Amen. I tell you, if the Lord Jesus was here tonight, you know what he would do? He would be our servant. He would serve us. He would take the lowest place. He would. I can show you he always did. He always took the lowest place. You know, when it rains out here, when it rains, where does the water run? It always runs to the lowest place. Let me tell you something. The greatest blessings of God are found in the lowest place. And you can get too big for God to use you but you'll never get too little for God to use. Amen. His best gifts, man, they're not up here. His best gifts are on the bottom shelf. You've got to get down there to get them. He was a servant. He was Lord of all, but servant of all. Have you ever read about what the Bible says about him? I'm closing here in just a second now. Have you ever read how many times the Bible says this? The Lord said this. He lived a life of constraint. This is what he said. I must. Have you ever read in the Gospel of John how many times he said, I must? I must work the works of him that sent me while it was day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must needs go through Samaria. On and on. In John 3, 14, John 4, 4, John 4, 24, John 9, 4, John 10, 16. I could show you all these passages. Everything the Lord did, he said, I must, I must, I must. He lived a life of constraint. Amen. His life was about someone else. Amen. And I'll tell you who our lives are about. Our lives primarily is about me. But not him. He gave himself entirely for others. When's the last time you presented yourself for God to be a blessing to others in anything? I'll tell you who God sets to run the church is the one who serves the church. Amen. Is your life, is your life part sanctity? Sacred, and yet part of it secular. It should be all sacred. Separated. Serving God by serving others. Are you listening to me, young men? Let me tell you something, young men. God has no work that doesn't involve others. Zero. God has no work that doesn't involve others. Amen. Listen, there's a guy who told me, he said, I can, I can get along with the Lord. We get along fine, but I can't get along with God's people. I, every, every church I've ever had, I just run in, I just start butting heads with God's people, the Robert Mills. You know who I'm talking about now. And I said, Brother Robert, the Lord doesn't need a pastor. People do. Well, I'm not going down there. That church has got all kind of problems. That's why they need a pastor. Yeah, yeah. They need someone that will serve them and bear their burdens. Do you think I'm doing what I'm doing right here tonight for me? 
I'll be honest with you. I hate getting on a jet. I hate jets. I'm a nervous wreck till that sucker's on the ground. I'm serious. I can't help it. But let's set all that aside. Amen. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't necessarily like doing, but we just deny ourselves and do it anyway. We Listen, I've pastored 48 years. 48. And listen, in that time, in that 48 years, all that time, think about it. That's a long time. You think I did all that for myself? The burdens. Brother, Brother Brandon, for the first time in my life, the past six months, I have lived without the constraint of the church, the constraint of the church. Six months. I got saved, and, and just right after I got saved, just a short time, I was pastoring a church, and I've had that restraint on me for 48 years. And I have no idea what it is like to live like you. I have no idea. But I'm, I'm learning. Amen. Somebody said the other day, Brother David, I need to... Don't tell me, tell my son. I'm done. There he is. There's your pastor. First thing right off the bat, one of the members got mad and they chewed him out good and threw him under the bus. Someone that had just bought his meal and gave him a check and celebrated his anniversary with his wife and he just whined and dined him. I didn't whine him, sorry. Figure of speech. You know what I'm talking about. Dined him. That's one Sunday. Next Sunday, threw him under the bus. Gone. Boy, he was down and out. He was down and out. And I called him and I said, no, I said it the night. I saw the man chewing him out. I just stand there watching it. He knows not to come to me. Amen. He knows to leave me alone. Last time he chewed me out, I told him, I said, you're an idiot. Besides that, you don't have any sense. <laughs> Amen. Screamed at me like a woman. I said, you sound like a woman. Hung the phone. Up. Was hung up on him. He waited two years to call me to ask me if he could come back. I said, you can come back, yes. But don't you do what you did before. Guess what he did? He did it again to my son. But my son, when he stormed out and left, I just eased over by my son and I said, Welcome to the ministry. <laughs> Rose said, I want, you, I want you to look this handle on this water. I said, Don't show me nothing. <laughs> I was in there the other night. I look at this door right. This door's got to be painted. Look at that. I said, Don't show your son. <laughs> Amen. Man, I've drove nails, cut grass, painted everything, them in the janitor, clean commodes, vacuum car. I've done all that stuff for other people for 48 years. And now I send, son, whenever you're ready to do it, let me know 
and I've got to leave at lunch. <laughs> Amen. Because that's what he always did to me. Dad, I, I, can't, I can't be here till after lunch. I've got to leave right after lunch. Okay, go ahead, son. I'll finish it. How many knows what it's like to be the last one to leave and everything? See, when you go, the man of God has to stay and finish it up. Because sometimes it won't be done. Now, I've seen preachers that get them a Dr. Pepper and sit in the lawn chair and watch you work. I ain't doing that. You're going to get up. You're going to. I've told people this a million times. You have to lead by example. You can't just delegate, man. You've got to lead by example. You can't lead anybody. You cannot get anybody to do something unless you show them you lead them by example. Amen. 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 We go to the camp. We got a crew. We got our cleaning schedule. We got it down to a fine, stewed down to a fine poison. We can go through there and clean that camp. Everybody's got certain ones that know what to do. We got jobs to make. We can go through there and we can figure it out. If you didn't know how to do that, you'd stay out there for two days. We'd go through there and be done in half a day. And you know how they learn to do it? Just get me a bucket, sanitizer, rags, go upstairs, start straightening the bunks, straighten all 60 bunks, straighten all the bunks, make sure there's no trash under them, wipe them off with the sanitizer. Every time they're the camp, wipe them 60 beds in the girls' room, 60 beds in the boys' room. Sweep the floor, mop, clean, ten commodes, five showers, and seven lavatories. Sweep, mop, I've done it. You know what they'll do? Preacher, give me that. You can, you go on, I'll do this. That's the way you do it. I told a friend of mine at Pastors in Michigan one time, I said, you're the best delegator I've ever seen in my life. I believe you could talk up. A Christian and doing anything just about. He just he delegate here, delegate there, David. I thought you ever do anything yourself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> My son was around there about a week. He said, Dad, I fix everything in this church. He said, I got another, he got me another job. He said, I'm fixing to load up and leave. I've done enough. Preacher said, I don't like people just mooching off the church. Serving others, what the Lord did, He set Himself apart for that. Share with us, Amen. Amen. We're set apart for the same service. I got to close here. I got to close here. Let me read this. As Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. We're sent into the world just like Christ was sent into the world. That involves you and I. You realize that you're sent into the world. You were sent into the world. Your daily life is a mission. Amen. Your job is a mission field. Your life takes upon itself a purpose. Amen. 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 It's not divided between the secular and the sacred. It's all holy. Amen. It's all sacred. You become a light in a dark world. You become an extension of your local church. Just as, just as our missionaries or our representatives extending our work farther and farther Amen. into the world. So is your life in this community. Amen. 
sphere of influence around this church. Amen. Amen. That's what we're set apart for. Serve God by serving others. Amen. Amen. That's my purpose. I may not be a pastor, but you know what the Bible says about old age? Now I'm just 70, you know, I'm not quite. Brother Adam Jones, I don't know if you know Brother Jones. Brother Adam Jones started evangelism. He's 75 years old. He said, God, I'll give you five years, about all I got. He quit at 86 because he couldn't go any further. He just couldn't do it anymore. Miss Shirley died. He began to lose his stamina. He's 90-something years old. I called him the other day. His mind sharp as a tack. I said, Brother Jones, let's talk some scripture. He said, Brother Wood, you know how many people call me to talk scripture? I said, no, sir. He said, it doesn't even qualify as semi-annually. <laughs> he said, most preachers called here want to talk about their self. You want to talk scripture? Wow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I just fellowship with him. We had the best time. He's been such a blessing. He gave God 75, preached in 76, 70, or 86, 87. He was probably, goodness, 85, 86 when he was having those men's conferences. He was coming to preach. He said, if you live long enough and preach to be old enough, they'll have you for just a novelty. <laughs> they want to see what you might say. Because you'll say some dumb things. And he can say some pretty rough ones sometimes. <laughs> anyway, you know what the Bible says? Now think about this, Brother, Brother Brandon. You pastored all your life. And you preach four time, at least four times a week for 40-something years, and God says that's it. How do you think old Brother Mark McGahee feels tonight? Amen. He can't get out of the house hardly in a recliner after traveling and preaching in all these churches all these years. And now God says, whoop. And I, I told my son, I told my church, and told I said, y'all just going to have to be patient with me. I've done this for 48 years. God led me and allowed me 30-something years ago to plant this church. It's like being married to it. It's like your baby. It's hard to get it. It's hard to turn it loose. It's hard to turn it loose. But you know what the Lord showed me? He gave me a passage from Psalms. It says, Ye are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. Oh, yeah. Amen. And it says, God shall enlarge you and your children. And God began to open doors. There's people call me and ask me to come. Can you believe that? I didn't even have to call them. They call me and say, Brother Wood, could you come? The other day, do you know Brother Freed? Brother Samuel Freed, Brother Daniel Freed, the Hope of Israel Mission, they're having a prayer conference. Not, they've heard, and brother, brother Samuel's heard me preach on prayer. He said, Brother David, I want you to come preach our prayer conference. I said, me? He says, yeah, we want you. I said, goodness gracious, what a privilege. Amen. Why would you want to have me? That's amazing. But the Lord says, they shall bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. 
I want to bear fruit in my old age in a different way than I have all these other years. You say, why? Listen, I'm, it's my purpose. It's all I know. That's what I was set apart for. That's all I know. Some say, well, you can settle down and you can go fishing more, you can use your boat, you can go hunting more, you can do it. Oh, no, my friend. No. There's nothing wrong with those things. We do those things. But that's not what we exist Amen. That's not our purpose. What's your purpose? I'll tell you what your purpose is. You may not know it. You may not understand it and know it, but your purpose is whatever you spend the most time doing. It's whatever you dedicate yourself to the most. How many of you show up on work days? Or you leave it to somebody else? Oh, they'll take care of it. What if they didn't? Amen? Put a piece of paper in front of a church one time right here, Brother Harold Taub's church. I, I told the preacher, I said, let's put a piece of paper down there and see who will pick it up. We put a piece of paper down there, set it on the stage, you sat there for 30 minutes. Finally, someone came pick it up. You wouldn't believe how many people walked by, looked at it, and walked on. He waiting on someone else. <laughs> Amen. 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 Like this young lady playing the classical piano in the in the in the front room of the house, in the living room, praying playing for the guests. She's playing a classical song on the piano, and when she's through, everybody applauds. And she smiles and looks, you know, and kind of bows a little and understands, you know, her. they've enjoyed her abilities and her wonderful music. And her brother's out in the kitchen. He takes the trash bag out, pulls it out of the can, ties it up, goes outside, opens the trash can, throws it in the trash, pulls the trash can out to the road, and didn't anybody even have to ask him. He just did it. And the young lady, before she would even play, they had to beg her, oh, come on, play us. Oh, I don't want to. Come on, play us. Show them. Play us. And so she finally was coaxed into playing him a song. But he did what he did without being constrained. They ought to have been applauding him. What kind of servant are you around this church? How do you help this man of God? He can't do it all. He's already told me that if Matt ever leaves here, he's going with him. <laughs> I might not have said that. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Too late now, amen. <laughs> you know, I mean, goodness, I looked around that camp out there, you know what I see? People drive up to play. How pretty. You know what I see when I pull up on a place like that? Four-letter word, W-O-R-K. Five-letter word, M-O-N-E-Y. That's what I see. What a beautiful church campus. Brother Jay Reed, he's got a church campus. They've got everything. They've got a ball field. They've got a big, tall steeple. They have all these wonderful buildings. You know what I see? Work! Bulldoze them! Simplify it. You know why? Because the further and further we draw in this age, the less and less people we got involved. Amen. Not a lot of people set apart for the work of God. He did it for you. Will you do it for him? Let me ask you, would you come tonight? Submit yourself. Say, Lord, here I am, sanctify me.
for your service. Set me apart. I want to serve you by serving others, to serve my church. I sent Brother Blankenship. Now, Brother Blankenship, the girl's home is gone. And it was a horrible end, a mess. But when they started that home in the old Roloff home in Milton, Brother Cameron's place, when they started that girl's home in that facility, he said, Brother David, where shall I go to church? I said, Brother Steve, go to Brother Jim McGady's church, Charity Baptist. And he said, why should I go there? And I said, I'll tell you why. Because not only will you be a blessing to them, but they will be a blessing to you. They'll help you, and you're going to need help. So I knew they'd do it. Amen. Let's pray. It's enough. Let's pray. You heard the message tonight. You know where you're at. You know what you need. Young men, this, listen, this church needs your strength. This man of God, he needs your strength. You need his wisdom. But he needs your strength. God uses the strength of young, man, of young men and the wisdom of an old man. And they work together. Present yourself tonight. And say, Lord, I want you to sanctify my life. Set it apart to be a servant. Set me apart from the world, from any moral impurity that might be in my life. Submit yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a servant of others, serving God by serving others. Do it. I tell you, the Lord will use your life. He'll use your life. Thank you. Thank you.